Well, good morning. Good to be with you. You can go ahead and grab your Bibles if you have one with you and find your place in Mark chapter 1. That's where we're going to be in just a minute. We're going to wrap up this series that we've been a part of uh, through the month of July this morning. But before we do that, I want to just say personally, I'm really, really excited about the next few weeks in the life of our church. Uh, for a couple of reasons. One is there's going to be a whole lot of new things starting, opportunities for you to engage and grow and be equipped and sent out on mission. A lot of things happening over the next few weeks. So pay attention, uh, plug in, engage, a lot of good stuff coming in the month of August. Secondly, really excited next week, we're going to kick off our verse-by-verse study through Second Peter. And uh, the month of July has been a little bit different. It's been more of a topical message. Normally, we're taking a book of the Bible and going verse by verse through that book of the Bible. So we start in 2 Peter next week. You can be getting ready for that. There's a reading plan. It's available online. It's available out in the foyer. You begin reading, your family, your group through 2 Peter. And we're going to jump into that next week. So really excited. A lot of cool things happening in the life of our church. So we're going to wrap up this series that we've called Membership Promises this morning. And here's really been the drumbeat or the question that we've been asking one another is this. Pretty simple, but do you love your church? Do you love your church? And we've been really clear. We're not talking about do you love everything about your church? Do you love every personality in your church necessarily? Do you even love everything that's going on at your church. That's not the question, but as we walk through the scriptures, the question is this, do we have a high view of the local church the way Jesus sees it? Do we value our local church as Jesus values his church and laid down his life for the church? Do we love our church? And then another question we've been asking, all right, what does that even look like? What does it look like to be rightly engaged and rightly connected and actively loving your local church family? And we've walked through something together called our principles, our practices, and our promises as a church family. We call it our principles, our practices, and our promises. You've heard about that the last few weeks. If you've been around, you've heard a lot about that. It really helps us frame and understand who we are as a church, what we believe, where we're going, the foundation of everything that we are. We talked about our principles a little bit. I'll steal Pastor Paul's illustration of of like building a house. You've got this foundation that everything's built on if you're building a house. That for us we call our core principles. Talked about those, things like God's glory. You don't exist for yourself, we exist for him. It's a principle, a foundational biblical principle. We talked about biblical authority, that the Bible is the ultimate source of truth. We build everything we are as a local church and as followers of Christ on the authority of Scripture. Uh, That's a really good place for an amen or a grunt or an oh me or something, right? We talked about gospel sufficiency. Jesus is enough. Talked about the church, we are the body of Christ and what all that means. 
out of this foundational principles that everything's built upon, we, we talk about these promises that we make to one another. What does life inside that house look like? How do the people within this body of believers relate to one another? And we call that our membership promises. What should you come to expect as being a part of this local church? What should this local church expect from you as we're pursuing these things together? And then we also talked about something called our core practices. This is kind of like the frame of the house, the structures that are built up on the foundation. They guide what we do. We, we call our core practices, again, these things that guide us. We talked about those, abide in Christ. Everything flows out of our growing relationship with Jesus. We talked about we gather for worship. It's a frame that we pursue together. We talked about equip the saints. If a church is not equipping the saints for the work of ministry, we're missing our calling. We are to be equipping one another for the work of ministry. And then today we're going to talk about the fourth core practice for just a few minutes, and that's this core practice of go make disciples. Go make disciples. Here's what I want you to see for just a minute as you look at these, and just kind of leave those up on the screen for a minute. As you look at these core practices, a, a healthy church understands that these are to be pursued together. They work together in concert as we pursue health and growth as individuals and as a church. Let me give you an example. If we are pursuing just this abiding relationship with Jesus, but we're not pursuing the gathering together with God's people. We're out of balance. You become an isolated Christian. You're, you're doing your own thing, but you're not engaging with the life of the body. That's like a wheel that has spokes and all the spokes are not working together. You're out of balance. You're unhealthy. Or maybe you're pursuing the, the gathering. We're coming together, but that's all you're pursuing. You're here, and you're on the fringe, and you're kind of, you know, a couple hours a week, you're engaged, but you're not being equipped for ministry, and you're not investing in the lives of others, and you're not abiding in Christ. Guess what? You and we as a church are going to be immature. We're not going to be healthy. Or I'll give you another quick illustration. You may say we're, we're abiding, we're, we're gathering, and we're being equipped for ministry, but we're never intentionally and actively going and making disciples of one another and of others. And at that point, when that is out of balance, here's what we become. We become self-centered. <laughs> we become inward focused. See, all of these are designed biblically to be working together. We're abiding in Christ. We are gathering with God's people. We're being equipped for ministry. And we're actively, intentionally making disciples of others. It's called a healthy Christian. That's what we're desiring to grow at as believers. So this morning, we've talked about those three. This morning, we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about this core practice of go make disciples. Go make disciples. If you don't know this, there is a command, there is a calling, there's this thing called the Great Commission that Jesus spoke, that Jesus gave to every believer, to every church, and it's this, go make disciples. Go make disciples. Now, here's the question I want to frame for you this morning a little bit, and then we're going to jump into Scripture here in just one second, but here's the question. I want you to wrestle with this for just a minute. 
is TCBC, this church, this local church, is TCBC a disciple-making church? How would you answer that? Are we seeing people, as we are sharing the gospel, come to know Christ? Are we seeing people grow in their faith and grow in their maturity? Are we seeing people as an overflow of that growth then go make disciples of others, taking what Jesus is doing in us and investing that in the lives of other people? Is TCBC a disciple-making church? Here's the second question. Ready for this one? You're going to love this one. Are you personally engaged in disciple-making? What does that look like? Are you personally engaged in this great commission that Jesus has given us of disciple-making, of helping someone take their next step in Christ's likeness? What does that look like in your life? Now, I understand when I talk about the Great Commission and we talk about go make disciples as one of our core practice, all kinds of ideas come into your mind. I get that. In fact, your understanding of this command to go make disciples, your preconceived ideas, kind of the baggage you bring to the table, is really going to determine how you answer that question. Whether or not you're making disciples, whether or not we're making disciples. So let me just... Let's have a kind of come to Jesus moment as a church for a second. And let's just be real honest and try to assess where we are as a church and where we are as individuals, where we are in this personal pursuit because of the glory of God, the greatness of Christ, this personal pursuit of making disciples. Where are we? Where are you? Here's some broken definitions, I think, of discipleship and disciple-making. And I'll just say, I've held every one of these. I've chased every one of these. These are kind of culturally informed more than they are biblically informed. Here's some broken or incomplete definitions of discipleship and disciple-making. Really, I'll go through these quickly. Number one, making disciples is only about evangelism. That's incomplete. Making disciples, yes, begins with the proclamation of the gospel, but it doesn't end there. That's just the first step. Here's another broken definition. Uh, Making disciples is a church program. In other words, when I think about discipleship and I think about making disciples, as soon as the church will start something, I'll decide to jump in. That's a programmatic view instead of a way of life. This thing called disciple-making. Thirdly, here's another one. This one gets me. Making disciples is primarily about relationships. Now, are relationships important in disciple-making? Of course. It's it's person-on-person. We make disciples of, of other people. But it's very important for us to understand that simply being in someone's presence, maybe with your besties over coffee, maybe just getting together and being around one another, isn't necessarily disciple-making. There may not be any intentionality and diligence and effort and accountability and encouragement and admonishment. Helping one another's watch. Take the next step toward Christ's likeness. I'll just speak as one of your elders and speak personally. This was my view for a long, long time. Here's what I thought. If I can just get the right people together in the right room, man, discipleship's going to happen. Let's just get everybody connected. Connection's huge, but it may not be disciple-making. 
sometimes a broken model even as a church. Hey, we can just connect and we can get Christians in a room. They'll, be, they'll talk some Christianese and they'll be in each other's presence. But without some intentionality, without a plan, without helping one another to challenge one another, to grow in Christ's likeness and then invest in the life of someone else, disciple making may not be happening at all. Making disciples requires expertise, some of you think. Well, this whole thing about disciple making, that's for these really elite Christians, these really mature Christians, probably the paid guys down at the church, that's really their job. It's a broken view of disciple making. Making disciples is an add-on to the Christian life. You say, hang on, Pastor Mike, are you asking me to do something else as a Christian, this thing of making disciples? Listen. Christianity, without active engagement of, in disciple-making, according to Jesus, may not be Christianity at all. So we're not talking about the next level of Christianity. We're talking about basics of following Jesus as a disciple for all of us. So I hope that creates maybe even some tension in our own understanding, personal engagement in disciple-making... How are we growing as a church in this thing called disciple-making? And what is that going to look like over the next few weeks and months for us as a church? So here's the way I want to steer it over the next few minutes. Let, let me just ask another question. I'm asking a lot of questions this morning. Here's the next one. What does Jesus say about making disciples? That's a pretty good question, right? What does the Bible say? What does the words of Jesus say about this whole thing of making disciples? So look with me. I'm going to show you a scene from the beginning of Jesus' ministry, Mark 1. And then we're going to go to the end of Jesus' ministry in Matthew 28 and try to answer this question. What does Jesus say about this whole thing of making disciples? All right? Mark chapter 1, verse 16. I'll read a few verses and make some points of application. All right? Everybody with me? Well, that was weak. Everybody with me? You ready to go? All right, Mark 1, 16. As he, Jesus, was going along by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two guys, Simon and Andrew, brother of Simon. They were casting a net into the sea. How come? Well, they were fishermen. That was their way of life. That's what they were devoting their lives to. That's what they were building their lives on. That's how they made their decisions. They were fishermen. Jesus comes up to them, verse 17, and this is one of the most succinct verses to help us understand, okay, what is a disciple? What does a disciple do? What is a disciple or disciple making all about? Look at verse 17. And Jesus said to them, follow me. Follow me. What does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? You are a follower of Jesus. You have died to self, laid down everything, and he is your Lord. You are following Jesus. Jesus said, follow me. That's what a disciple is. He goes on, verse 17. He says, follow me and I will make you become. Stop right there. Second thing we see about a disciple. A disciple is always growing. A disciple is becoming. A disciple of Jesus is always taking the next step and being challenged to take the next step of obedience and submission and devotion and comprehension to who Christ is. Jesus says, follow me. He says, and I'll make you become, and then watch this, he says, fishers of men. Fishers of men. And he defines here what disciples do. 
He said, yet you're going to follow me. You're going to continually be growing as a disciple. And then there's going to be this intentional, diligent investment of your life into the lives of others to introduce them to know Jesus, to help them grow in Christ-likeness. And this whole thing just reproduces and multiplies and reproduces over and over and over and over. And that's been the history of Christianity, by the way, for the last 2,000 years. Disciple-making. Disciples follow Jesus. We're growing in Christ's likeness, and we're investing our lives to help others grow in Christ's likeness. See that? One of the most succinct, clear pictures we have very simply of what this idea of disciple-making is. Let me take you to another passage. Go to Matthew 28. Very well-known passage. It's called the Great Commission of Jesus. Now this is at the end of his ministry. After three and a half years, he's lived his life, he's gone to the cross, he's died for the sins of the world, he's risen from the dead, he's now about to ascend to the right hand of the Father, and Jesus is going to say something else here, Matthew 28, beginning in verse 16, at the end of the earthly ministry of Jesus. But the eleven disciples proceeded to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had designated. When they saw him, they worshipped him. These disciples are continuing to worship. They're now worshipping this resurrected Christ who's about to ascend to the right hand of the Father. But some were doubtful. (laughs) We could chase that for a long time. I'm not going to. I'm grateful for statements like that. Even these disciples that were worshipping had their faults, had their weaknesses, had immense room to grow. Just like you and me. Some were doubtful. And Jesus came up to them, verse 18, and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Post-resurrection, post-crucifixion, Philippians 2 says the humility of Christ, his humiliation. He was God who became a man, who died, who was risen again. And the Bible says that there is now the name above all names has been given to him. All authority has been entrusted now to the resurrected Christ. Corollary of that for disciple making is everything necessary for you to be equipped, commissioned, called, and sent out with all authority to make disciples has been completed in Jesus. He's done it. Now go. Make disciples. He says, all authority has been given to me. Verse 18 goes on. Verse 19. Therefore, go. Therefore, my disciples, go. The main verb here that I want you to see actually is not go. You could translate go going or as you go. There's some debate about that. But the main thrust of what Jesus is saying here to those disciples then and to the disciples you and me today is this. Make disciples. Invest your life. What I have done in you for the past three and a half years, my disciples, you will now invest in others who will then invest in others who will then invest in others. Helping them with intentionality. Helping them with a plan. Helping them with diligence. Not just being in their presence, but helping them grow in Christ's likeness to be more and more like the image of Jesus. Go make disciples. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We'll talk about that in just a minute. Teaching them. Teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. 
Man, if I just had some material and content to, to teach others, Jesus said, everything I've taught you, teach others. Invest in others. Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you one big truth and make some application for this for us. Here's a big truth that will summarize all this, I hope. Very simple, but hopefully helpful is this. Jesus calls every disciple to make disciples. Jesus very clearly in his life, and his ministry, and his preaching, and his teaching, beginning of his ministry, end of his ministry, calls every disciple of his to be intentionally, actively engaged in the lives of others of making disciples. Who will then make other disciples? Who will then make other disciples? Jesus calls every disciple to make disciples. You say, Pastor Mike, I, I, I'm, I'm growing in that. I, I, I think I have a good understanding of that. I, I hear some of the broken definitions of disciple making, and I'm even guilty of some of those. I get those. Help, help me get my mind around even more what that, what that looks like in my life to be actively engaged as a follower of Jesus in this thing called disciple making. Because listen, we can be involved in a whole lot of things as a church. We can be involved in a lot of good things as a local church. But if we're not actively engaged in equipping and mobilizing you and me and all of us in this thing called disciple making, we've missed the great commission of Jesus. So this has some questions here about what Jesus says and hopefully these will be helpful to us this morning. Okay. I hear all that. What then is involved in disciple-making according to the words of Jesus? We kind of heard earlier what disciple-making is not. It's more than those things. What is involved in disciple-making? Okay, let me just show you some of these words. The thrust of verse 19, what Jesus says, is make disciples. There's three words that orbit around that that help us understand what's involved in disciple-making. Jesus says, go. Go. Now, the idea there is not that I have to relocate somewhere to make disciples. You might, but the idea is action, it's movement, it's intentionality, it's diligence. You could translate it this way, going, or as you're going. There is an intentional focus of my life to ask, how am I helping others grow in Christ-likeness? How am I helping others come to know Jesus and grow in Christ-likeness and grow to maturity? What does that look like in my life as you're going? Going, make disciples. Go. It's not an event. It may involve events. It's not an event. See, when Jesus was talking to Andrew and Simon back in chapter 1, he used this great illustration of fishing because they understood fishing is not a tack-on to their lives. It was what they devoted their lives to. They built their schedules and their resources and their time around fishing. That's who they were. He said they were fishermen. Jesus said, oh, okay, wait a minute. As now a follower of me, the Spirit of Christ in you, that focus is now going to be shifted. And with the same intentionality, the same plan, the same effort, the same resources, you're going to be fishing for men. You're going to be fishing for people. You're going to be a disciple maker. And I guarantee you, they didn't think program down at the church. They didn't think an event at some point. They thought, this is my life. This is my life. 
So he says, go. He says, baptize. He says, go make disciples, baptizing them. And that obviously includes, you read into that, it includes evangelism, the proclamation of the message of the gospel of who Jesus is. That he has died, he has risen, he has taken his, our sins upon himself. And you can know him by faith and repentance turning to Christ. This message of the gospel. Response to the gospel and baptism and engagement to a local church. So it involves conversion. It involves gospel proclamation. Yes. It doesn't stop there. Then he says, teaching them. Say, Pastor Mike, I've never really thought of myself as a teacher. I don't really want to stand up in front of a class and teach. That may be involved in this, but that's not what he's talking about. It's the idea of what you have learned, what God is doing in you, the things that you have been taught. You then say, okay, here's what God has done in my life. Here's what I'm learning. How can I now take this and invest it in the life of someone else? Teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. So disciple making personally in your lives involves pointing others to the truth. Pointing others to the word of God. It involves teaching, equipping, building up. It involves diligence and intentionality and accountability and admonishment and encouragement. And challenging one another to take a next step. See, it's possible in our broken definition of disciple making. That a group of believers could be together in one another's presence for years and years and years. And they could talk the Christianese and they could give the fist bumps and they could do what we tend to do and what we love. But no one is ever challenged to take the next step in Christ's likeness. No one is ever challenged to submit their lives to what God says in this area. No one is ever challenged to grow in Christ's likeness and then go be making disciples. There's intentionality. Disciple-making involves helping others take the next step following Jesus in obedience to all that Jesus says in his word. See, for us as a church, we kind of use this illustration. It's almost like building a house, right? The illustration of building a house maybe helps us frame a little bit of some of the dimensions of disciple-making. If you're going to build a house, you, you need some things. You need a blueprint. You need someone of a plan to follow you. I guarantee if you're hiring a builder to come in and build a house, and he says, well, you know what? I don't really have a blueprint. I'm just going to kind of wing it. You know, I think we'll put a door here, maybe a bathroom here. We'll just see how it goes. However it works out, you're like, "Uh, I think I'm going to call somebody else, right? Need a blueprint. Need some builders. Those that are going to do the work of building that house in accordance to that blueprint. You see, here's here's how this illustration works. Every disciple is like a house under construction. All of us. All of us need things added into our lives that are missing. All of us need things expanded in our lives that we need to grow in. All of us need things to be restored that were strong and are not strong anymore. All of us are like that. So all of us are like a building. And at the same time, watch, every disciple is a builder. You're builder. And you help one another take a next step. Add something that's missing. Build or expand on something that needs to grow. Help someone restore something that used to be there and is not there anymore. All in accordance to the word of God. We're like builders. 
Ephesians 4, Paul mentioned this last week. I'll just say it again. Ephesians 4, 15 and 16 says it this way. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up. Everyone into him, Christ, who is the head, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every, every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, each builder adding, expanding, restoring, helping one another grow so that the body builds itself up in love. See that? It's a building illustration, a building out. We all are buildings under construction. We're all builders at the same time, helping one another grow. That's why I'm not going to go into great detail about this. You're going to hear more and more over the next few weeks and months of something we've been developing. Many of you are familiar with it already called Discipleship Blueprint. Discipleship Blueprint is a tool for us as a church to have a direction, to understand, okay, what's a disciple's next step? Every disciple has a next step. How do I even know how to help a person take the next step? What are some tools that I can use helping someone take the next step? That's kind of the discipleship blueprint. You're going to hear more and more about that. You say, Pastor Mike, I hear this about a builder, and I'm to do these things in people's lives and add truth. And what, I, help me even frame that. Well, one of the aspects, I want to give this as an illustration really quick. One of the components of our discipleship blueprint is something we call our process. Why don't you put that up on the screen really quick. You're going to hear this a lot. This has helped me tremendously. I think it will help you. As we go about, as we go, we're longing to be disciple makers. We want to teach and instruct and help people take the next step in Christ's likeness. How do we do that? Well, this is called our process, and it begins with observe. We wear a disciple maker's lenses all the time. I'm a parent of five children. There's not a moment, there's not a second of any day that I'm not a parent, right? You're always thinking like a parent that continues in the same way. There's never a moment, watch this, that you are not a disciple maker. That was a good place for an amen. If you're a disciple of Christ, there's not a moment, there's not a season, there's not a place, there's not a time that you're not a disciple maker. You're called to that. You're equipped for that. And at all times, you're observing. Observing means that you're examining for the purpose of building up in Christ's likeness. You're lovingly examining and watching the lives of others because you want them to grow. That's what a church family does for one another. And you ask, okay, what is missing? What can I add to their life? What truth do they need to hear? It may be someone who doesn't even know Christ. And you think, okay, I want to add the gospel. It may be a new believer who's never been baptized. Okay, let me spend some time teaching them about baptism. It may be a new believer who doesn't understand the dynamics of a local church. You help them, you teach them, you spend time with intentionality. Take their next step, you add. What's missing? Maybe you expand what needs to grow. You think, okay, you're growing in this area, this is there, but you need to grow in this area. You need to grow in your prayer. You need to grow in your study of the Word. You need to grow in your understanding of marriage, whatever that is. And you say, that sounds kind of arrogant. No, it's love. Because that's how we love one another. I want folks to do that into my life, and I want to do that into others' lives to help us grow toward Christ's likeness. Maybe you restore Something that was strong at one time because we regress, we slip back, we all do. It was strong at one time, but man, that needs to be restored. How can I help? How can we grow in this together? What does that look like? 
So this is a tool called our process as a church that you'll hear more and more about moving forward. So those are some things that are involved in this pursuit of disciple making. Now let me ask a couple more questions really quickly. Here's the second question I want you to see from what Jesus is saying here. Okay, where then does disciple making take place? Where does it happen? Jesus says here in Matthew 28, he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. So we hear that and we think, okay, here's what that must mean then. It must mean that this great commission of Jesus is really carried out. Real disciple making is happening when we go somewhere far off, right? Oh, I'm going to go carry out the Great Commission, but i got to get on a plane. i got to go somewhere. Is that involved in disciple making? Yes. And I want you to hear something this morning really clearly. You with me? Wherever a disciple of Jesus is, that's where disciple making takes place. You say, wait a minute, you mean I don't have to go move somewhere? You might. God may call you to do that. We pray for that. But like a fisher of men, wherever you're planted, wherever God puts you, you are a disciple maker. So disciple making happens personally where we're planted. It happens locally. It happens globally. All of that. Why? to the nations. Why? Because Jesus is worthy of the worship of the entire world. There's not a place on the planet that there should not be disciples making disciples to the glory of God. Wherever you are planted, that's where you're to be making disciples. For his glory. Going, be making disciples. As you teach school, be making disciples. As you parent your children, be making disciples. As you're an active part of this local church, be making disciples. As a medical professional, be making disciples. As you play on that sports team, wear the lenses, be making disciples. It's who we are as followers of Jesus. Where does disciple making take place? Wherever disciples of Jesus are. Last question, what's the goal of disciple making? What's the end game? Jesus says, teaching them to observe all. Does that mean a checklist and everything? I'll tell you, you that, that means the fullness of Christ. Continually growing toward the fullness of Christ. The Apostle Paul helps us in verse In Colossians 1, 28 and 29, he says this, We proclaim him, that's Jesus, admonishing every man, teaching every man with all wisdom, so that we may present every man complete in Christ. We lovingly want to build into one another's lives. Those who don't know Christ, to come to Christ. Those who know Christ, to grow in Christ. And all of us to be taking that and multiplying that into the lives of others. Ultimately, for the glory that Jesus is made known and on display in our lives. The fullness of Christ. That's the end game of disciple making. So Jesus calls every disciple to make disciples. 
So out of this core practice, we're going to kind of draw this thing to a close, but out of this core practice that we've talked about, principles, practices, and promises, here's our promise that we make. Go make disciples. Okay, that's the command. Then what, how do we interact with one another? Here, here it is. What does this look like at TCBC? I'm going to give you a couple things. Number one, our promises to one another is this. We promise. Here's what you should come to expect as a part of this church. We promise to pursue the Great Commission, equipping you to go make disciples. Here's what your church should come to expect of you. I promise to go make disciples, sharing the love and the message of Jesus. It's a membership promise. It's how we interact with one another within the walls of these pursuits and on the foundation of these absolute biblical principles. That's what it means to love your church. That's what it looks like to be a disciple maker. So last question is this, and we're going to wrap it up. All right, Mr. Mike, I hear all that. What does that look like at TCBC moving forward? What are the opportunities for me? What does that look like? Let me give you a few of these. We call them our, our four goes. One is this, we will equip and we'll pursue what are called go moments. You're part of our church. You've heard about those Go moments are this. You'll be equipped. You'll be challenged, all of us, to seize everyday opportunities that you have to make Jesus known. Wear those lenses of observe. Someone doesn't know the gospel. They don't know Jesus. I want to add the message of the gospel to their life. Go moments. Secondly, moving forward, you hear a whole lot more about something called go groups. Go groups. Go groups are an expression of the Great Commission. Go groups are this. Go groups are disciples... Now watch, intentionally gathering with others to take the next intentional, diligent, planned step of walking with Jesus. What's the next step toward Christ-likeness? Go groups are where, gather, where, where you are making disciples, where people are investing in you. Go groups are not me gathered together with my besties doing the Christianese and just being in one another's presence. Go groups are designed and intentional for you to start, us to start as a church, disciples to come together with the intentionality of helping one another grow toward Christ's likeness. Watch. Go groups can be a mother and a teenage daughter walking through what the Bible says about baptism. Go groups can be two people gathered to practice and grow in what the Bible says about prayer and challenging one another to grow. Go groups can be 15 people learning how to effectively share the gospel and then monthly going on the Appalachian Trail to live it out. Go groups could be 20 or 30 people gathered on Sunday morning to walk through the book of Philippians with one of our elders like David Brewer that's going to start in just a few weeks. You can jump into that. Go groups can be personal, you engaging others intentionally with a plan to help them grow. Go groups can be connected to the life of our church. The point is, go make disciples with intentionality. The desire is that every person is engaged in multiple go groups. You're starting go groups. You're desiring to make disciples as we grow as a church. So go moments, go groups, go trips, go seasons. Just really quickly, part of making disciples is we send folks out on go trips, go seasons. We just had a team just get back from Portugal, working with one of our partners there to make disciples in the country of Portugal. We had three of our college students who just got back from five weeks in uh, Fort Collins, Colorado, working with a partnering church there. Why? It's a disciple-making experience. We have go trips, we have go seasons, we have go groups, we have these things. And finally, 
and I'll wrap it up with this. We, we pursue something called go stays. Go stay is where some people go and they plant their lives in another culture, in another part of the world. And we've sent out missionaries from our church. We pray for more and more of those. And I think something neat to kind of wrap this time up this morning is I want you to hear from a family in our church that's a part of one of these go stays. They've been sent out. 